I'm your host, PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. At this year's 2010 Aesthetic Extender Symposium in Miami Beach, Florida, we learned about the latest technologies and techniques in cosmetic medicine from leading experts in the field. Founding director of the symposium, PA Christy Lennox, told us this meeting was created specifically to educate physician assistants and nurse practitioners about aesthetic medicine. This year's conference is simply to make sure that all the nurse practitioners, physician assistants, and RNs who are supervised by core specialty physicians are actually getting the most current information to make sure that they are treating their patients with their best capabilities. You have some international and national speakers here that are quite impressive, and we've talked with many of them, and they're excited about teaching PAs and NPs, so develop time. My goal is to actually bring in physicians that are plastics, dermatologists, and even facial plastics. I'm trying to keep a mix of physicians so that the extenders that are here learning get different points of view. Tell us how the role of the PA and NP has changed in aesthetic medicine. Well, aesthetic medicine is actually a fairly new role for physician assistants and nurse practitioners. So right now, it's very hot and it's booming. We're able to do things that we've never been able to do before, and physicians are actually taking us much more seriously in this arena of medicine than they used to. So what are some of the significant issues that you guys are talking about at the symposium this year? So new to the market this year compared to last year is there are several new botulinum toxins. In the United States right now, the only new one for approval, FDA approval for cosmetic purposes, is Dysport. So we wanted to make sure that Dysport had a place in the symposium, and we actually demonstrated how to inject that yesterday. Also, there is Sculptra. Sculptra just got their approval for cosmetic indications this year, and we actually also added Artiful this year. They were on the market, off the market, and they came back on the market, so we gave them a representation this year as well. One of the most common cosmetic procedures in the U.S. is the use of botulinum toxins. Dr. Stephen Diane, a board-certified facial plastic surgeon who teaches at the University of Illinois and DePaul University, joined me to discuss their use in aesthetic medicine. I spoke about getting back to the basics with botulinum toxins, or Botox, the more commonly known of the two, Dysport being the other one. But I talked about the basics of those products. Tell us the difference between the two. Well, they're actually quite similar. They're both the same molecule. Botulinum toxin A is a purified protein, and it comes from the same clostridium bacteria. However, the difference is that they're manufactured a little bit differently in the amount of proteins that surround each one of them. So they act a little bit differently, and we use them a little bit differently. But they're really quite similar. And which patient would you use one versus the other? I get that question all the time. Like, how do you decide which one to use? And the truth is, much like an artist who uses different colors, brown or blue, I use them differently when different situations. Sometimes if I want to raise the brow in a certain manner, I may use Dysport. Or if I want to do something different in the crow's feet to get re- reduce the wrinkles a little bit closer to the eye, I may use Botox because I think they act a little bit differently. So back to the basics. What are your clinical pearls for Botox or Dysport? Well, it's interesting because when I was asked to give the talk about back to the basics, I really started thinking about what are we doing with these products? We're making people's wrinkles go away, but what's the end game? What's the end result of that? And the truth is, in my opinion, what we're doing is we're making people feel better about themselves. Because if I can use these products to improve the quality of someone's life or give them more self-confidence, then I think I've achieved my goal. What's new in the filler industry? Oh, God, what's not new? They keep changing. They're moving so fast. We're always constantly keeping up with it. 
Right now, the two most popular products in the U.S. market are the Hyaluronic, the Hyaluronic fillers. And that's a complex carbohydrate that's very common to all of our skins already. And the results of it have been quite wonderful. How we're using it really is changing. So if you look at our U.S. experience, where it's most commonly placed in the nasolabial folds, the smile lines from the corner of the nose to the corner of the mouth, that's the area that's most put in. But in reality, where does it work best? And likely, it works best around the eyes. Because ultimately, eyes are where people are attracted to. When someone looks at you, the first place they look is right around the eyes. Youthfulness, beauty is all centered around the eyes. So the goal with our procedures is to try to make the eyes more attractive. So if I can use my fillers around the eye strategically to accentuate a person's eyes, then I've achieved a goal. So and that's how we're using fillers. And there's ways of putting it around the eyes that I think are getting better and better with less bruising, less swelling. And now today, patients come into my office and I treat them and they walk out 10 minutes later and they literally look 5 to 10 years younger quite frequently. Of course, there's risks with this procedure like any other. And we're learning more and more about the risks. It's also very important that people are well-trained because... As the product gets more popular, I'm seeing a lot more people who are using the product who aren't properly trained, and I am seeing a lot more complications come across my office being referred to me to treat. Fortunately, we're creating new protocols so that if a complication occurs, I feel very comfortable that we can reverse it, but you got to catch it quickly. So education about fillers needs to expand even more, in my opinion, so we can get better outcomes. Well, I know some of the newer fillers have numbing agents in them already. Do you like that? I do like the numbing agents in the fillers, but I will tell you what I've been doing is I mix my product with a little bit of lidocaine before I inject it. The reason why I like to mix it is I like to decrease the viscosity of the product. I think it's easier to mold and shape. And I, I spent time as a terracotta sculptor back in the day, back when I was in residency. I loved doing it. And I feel like that when I'm able to get a little more malleability from the product, I can mold it and I can really put it into the place where I want to put it. So that's why I like to decrease viscosity using lidocaine prior to me injecting the product. Then Dr. Christopher Zachary, professor and chair of the Department of Dermatology at the University of California, Irvine, joined me to discuss one of the more advanced technologies, fractionated lasers. I'm talking about a few things here. Particularly, I've talked about fractionated ablative laser surgery, which is pretty much the latest for facial rejuvenation and skin tightening. It was really Dieter Manstein and Rox Anderson at the Wellman Institute at Harvard who developed the first prototype, fractionated, non-ablative laser, which basically delivers tiny areas of cylindrical injury to the skin, which are very small, but each of which is surrounded by normal skin. So the healing process is incredibly quick. And so you can actually develop a lot of new collagen, new elastin, essentially younger skin with very little downtime, no scarring, very few side effects. You also talked about nerve blocks and anesthesia. What are some pearls you can give us on that? Well, the key thing here is to remember that the aesthetic procedures that we are performing should be comfortable. They should give the patient a sense of confidence. When they walk in, they sit down, they're going to have something that is actually rather pleasant. And in order to do that, you want to make sure that you use topical anesthetics carefully, You want to make sure that if you're going to use uh, nerve blocks with local anesthesia, that you use a nice tiny needle, a 32-gauge needle. Also, the other thing is, I think it's important to tell somebody that if something's going to hurt a little bit, you need to warn them. So careful preparation is always important. Dr. Jason Posner, co-founder of Sanctuary Aesthetic Medical Center in Boca Raton, Florida, also stressed the importance of patient comfort and satisfaction. 
The basics of this business is customer service. And anyone who thinks we're not in a customer service business is going to be broke in no time. The bottom line is take good care of your patients, do a good job, and be nice. You know, marketing is absolutely essential to get patients in the door, but what I was speaking about earlier was patient retention. There have been a number of studies showing you that in these high-end practices, you can lose a lot of your patients. And that's certainly bad business, and it's just bad for everybody. And how has that changed 10 years ago to today in the way we retain our patients or the way we treat our patients? I think the bottom line is is that, I mean, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of good providers or great providers who can do great Botox and great fillers and great Dysport and great lasers. And you know what? You're not the only game in town. And you have to be nice to the patients. It only takes one bad receptionist, despite great providers, to really lose that patient to your practice. So what's more expensive, bringing a new patient to the practice or losing a patient from the practice because they're unhappy? I think losing a patient is more expensive because a happy patient will tell maybe a few patients if she's happy or he's happy, but an unhappy patient will probably tell about 10 people. That's what literature has shown, that they're unhappy with what you did. So, you know, be nice to people and do a good job. Just the basics. So the changing marketplace, surgical versus non-surgical? Well, revenues in our practice are about 50-50. That's a big change from 10 years ago. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, the question you should ask me is, well, where are the patients coming from nowadays? And that's the most interesting part of it. Patient referrals from other patients, probably number one. Some patients off the Internet, that's somewhere down there. I think the biggest flow of patients is coming from our non-surgical business, meaning a woman or a guy that I did Botox on, and they're happy with that. They realize that I'm nice, I do a good job. They're comfortable with me. And then they start to ask me about other procedures. Some of the other innovative procedures discussed at the symposium included new methods of fat reduction, which was originally discovered by observing children sucking on popsicles. I talked with Dr. Christopher Zachary once again. So what else is hot in the field right now? Well, what else is hot is cold, namely Zeltique, or so-called cool sculpting for fat reduction. There are a number of new techniques for external non-invasive body sculpting, shall we say. In other words, we're not talking about liposuction here or laser-assisted liposuction, as some people call it. We're talking about non-invasive treatments, and you can use cooling, you can use heating, you can use ultrasound that's focused, for instance. But the latest thing that the FDA has approved is the Zeltique device, the cryolipolysis, which was based on the concept of popsicle paniculitis in children who would suck on a lollipop for half an hour and they would get localized fat loss in their cheeks, which was persistent for months and months. That, if you translate it to treatment of localized fat excess, particularly on the abdomen, love handles, you can get very nice reduction in about 70% of those who you treat. Dr. David Goldberg, clinical professor of dermatology and director of laser research at Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York, medical director of skin laser and surgery specialists of New York and New Jersey, and co-director of Sanctuary Medical Center in Boca Raton, Florida, told us how this procedure works. We have these belts, and these belts are placed within the skin, and attached to the belt is a suction area, and that area suctions the fat into the actual belt and freezes the heck out of it. There's a numbing sensation. I've actually had it done myself. It's not painful. And you leave that belt on there for about an hour. And during that time, you either read a book or work on your laptop. And then when the belt is taken off, the area actually feels solid like an ice cube. It's frozen. The skin's perfectly normal. 
And then over the course of the next week or two, that fat begins to melt, kind of like a frozen wad of butter that melts. And over the course of the next two to three months, that fat which has now been destroyed is slowly removed by the normal body processes that remove fat when you eat a potato chip. So this is a totally non-invasive, non-surgical method that can be used for localized areas of fat. It is absolutely the wave of the future because it's an approach to remove fat without surgery. Dr. Goldberg is also a founding director of the Aesthetic Extender Symposium, and I asked him about the symposium's history. The uh, symposium began uh, some three years ago, and it really was the brainchild of Christy Lennox, my PA in Boca, and myself, realizing that there just is not a good forum for PAs and nurse practitioners who work for core physicians to learn cosmetic aesthetic medicine. They can learn from their doctors, and that's great, and they should, but we all do things a certain way, and there are other ways to do things, and, and you need to learn other ways to do things. These PAs and NPs cannot sit in on the cosmetic portions of most of the dermatology meetings. There are very few forums for them to learn how to do this. So we began this meeting three years ago. There was some resistance among the core specialties as to whether this meeting should occur. We didn't have a lot of support from the industry because it was a novel idea. Well, three years later, I think we've shown that this is a very, very important meeting, and we'll take this forward. PA Christy Lennox talked with me about the unique aspects of the symposium and its plans for the future. So the symposium sold out this year. What are your plans to continue this growth and still keep it boutique? Well, that is actually a hot topic this weekend for me. Uh, we actually sold out last year as well, but I wanted to keep it a fairly small symposium so people do feel comfortable to stand up and ask questions and do have time to speak with the faculty. So if I expand, it actually won't be for too many more people at each conference. We may actually go biannually instead of annually in the next year or so. What are some of the challenges you hear from other PAs or NPs working in this field? Two of the biggest challenges is, A, they have a very difficult time breaking into the field, and B, many of them aren't allotted the amount of autonomy that I'm allotted. But again, that comes down to how comfortable you are with performing the procedures as well as how comfortable your physician is. As an extender, we can be utilized from anything as such as a medical assistant to completely individual practitioners. You've been listening to conference coverage of the 2010 Aesthetic Extender Symposium on ReachMD XM 160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell. Tune in to hear Dr. David Goldberg on an upcoming Partners in Practice program. Dr. Goldberg will talk with us more about another exciting aspect of cosmetic medicine, non-invasive body contouring, and medical legal issues related to this field. You can listen to this and other conference coverage programs and download podcasts at our website, reachmd.com. As always, thanks for listening.